It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS, Twitter, Twitter.tv slash AJ Nick3. Big show on this Tuesday edition of the pod. I know it's been college basketball, college basketball, college basketball, so we'll break it up a little bit. We got a Carabao Cup recap. Uh, some details after the Liverpool kids beat the billion-pound bottle jobs, as Gary Neville called them, the Chelsea-London Blues, uh, in the Carabao Cup final at Wembley. So we'll talk about that in the kickoff. They'll do, Then we'll do a weekend soccer recap, midweek FA Cup matches to look forward to, a some college basketball, of course. Look back at the games over the weekend, which a million of them were blowouts. Um, I got... The court storming takes, so we'll touch on that. There's an excellent article on ESPN. Let me get this guy's name. William Wenbaum wrote a, a very good article with all the kind of conference rules, so we'll look through that um, to see some consistencies versus inconsistencies versus the, you know, uh, for the court storming conference by conference. Look ahead to some early week action on the collegiate hardwood as well with some big matchups, and then golf at the end. Ricky Jake Knapp wins the Mexico championship, his fifth start. I mean, that's pretty cool, that rookie winning that. So we'll do that at the end of the program. So Liverpool kids beat Chelsea, Carabao Cup final recap, weekend soccer recap, midweek FA Cup fixtures, college basketball, golf at the end of the program. So that is the docket for this Tuesday edition of the pod. I have... And I'm working on the um, how many teams can win the Natty. So I'm working on that segment. And then we'll have our bubble watch segment on uh, ahead of conference championship week on the Tuesday of that. On that uh, week, we'll have that show. And then the one seeds on Thursday. And, of course, our reaction selection Sunday. So plenty of college basketball. Um, I figured I'd take a show off from it, at least in the kickoff at the top of the show, bringing some soccer coverage because there was a cup final in England. Over the weekend. So let's get into that. Liverpool kids beat Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final. Jurgen Klopp, the manager of Liverpool, in his swan song, stepping away from the club at the end of the season. He called it his most special trophy. This is a guy that's won everything and won everything with Liverpool, you know, and been fortunate to knock Bayern off their perch in the Bundesliga with Dortmund. So he's won leagues uh, at the two big jobs he's had. He's won it. He's won everything else with Liverpool, um, Champions League, Club World Cup, FA Cup, Carabao Cup. He's been to the Europa League, finally hasn't won it yet, but we'll see what happens this year with that. But the idea is Klopp, in his final season as the Liverpool manager, the lads made sure to tick the first box. If there's only one box ticked, it was, there was a trophy in, in Klopp's final season, and for Klopp to call it his most special trophy, and you might be wondering, why do I keep saying Liverpool kids? Why do I keep, you know, what what's so big deal? Because, listen, if you're looking at competitions across England for the big teams, you know, Champions League and Premier League are the top two. And then you got to think about FA Cup and the Europa League competitions and maybe Carabao Cup being on that mantle, but maybe one, you know, one more level is Carabao Cup. So, 
is it the most prestigious? Is it the most um, talked about? Term? No, it's not. But it's a trophy, and if you win a trophy, it's a big deal. And that's what you know. And then tell tell the Chelsea fans on Sunday into Monday, and the rest of the week that 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 game didn't mean anything. Tell them. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they'll just smile on their face and like, "You're right. It didn't mean anything." It'll wipe that that uh, that disgusting look on. They're probably pissed. That that uh, get that taste out of their mouth, but I'm sure they're feeling it because Klopp and Liverpool, and I'm not you know making excuses. I'm just saying this is this reality of the situation. Liverpool have about 11 first team injuries, and Matip and Thiago and Batacic have really been nowhere to be seen. Thiago uh, a cameo appearance, but Matip's out for the season. Jota and Jones get hurt in the same game. Sobislai came back and then got hurt again. So did Trent. Allison's been out, in and out, and then you have the injuries to Salah and Nunez. So, Allison, Trent, Matip, Thiago, Batichich, Curtis Jones, Sobislai, Jota, Salah, Nunez, all out for Liverpool. So, yes, they did field a formidable side with Kelleher, Connor Bradley being the young guys uh, in the lineup. Obviously, Harvey Elliott, but he's been around for a while now. So, you had those two. You had Kanate, Van Dyke, Robertson. Um, you had... A bunch of veteran Endo played a great game. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but more about this Liverpool moment. And they're already missing those guys. Gravenberch, who I thought started the game pretty well, gets taken out by Caicedo. And uh, thankfully, he didn't break his ankle. But the fact there was no foul or no card was crazy. But he gets subbed off, injured in the first half. I mentioned Connor Bradley. He started it right back. When Gravenberch came off, they put Harvey Elliott from attack into the midfield and put Connor Bradley at right wing and put Joe Gomez at right back. So Bradley started, switched positions, then came off, but him, Kelleher had an unbelievable game. Kwanzaa came on and was solid in moments for Kanate late. Clark came on and did a job. McConnell came on and did a job. Dan's even had some scoring opportunities that almost won Liverpool the match. So these kids, and there were two more kids on the bench, too. The bench was Adrian, who's not going to come in, the backup goalkeeper. J Joe Gomez, which he was probably going to come in. Samikis, and then the rest were kids. And you had already started Connor Bradley. You had already had to start Kelleher in the absence of Allison. And you already had to start Harvey Elliott. Going up against two midfielders that cost over 100 million pounds in Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo. Going up against Cole Palmer, who costs a lot. Raheem Sterling, who comes in, right? So, Nicholas Jackson and Cuckoo. Gallagher back in the fold, obviously. But that's a lot of players. And Chelsea should have no excuses. And we'll touch on them in a second. But more on Liverpool. It's their 10th League Cup. It's the most League Cups in the history of the competition. 51st major trophy for Liverpool. It's I saw a couple other numbers. There's 45. I'm not getting into the debate. I saw 51 from the Liverpool website. I'll take 51. Uh, seventh trophy in the Klopp era. And Klopp is the third Liverpool manager to lift the League Cup more than once. Paisley and Gerard Houllier both did it. And how about Chelsea? And Neville in commentary, I mentioned it at the top of the show. He said, it's Klopp's kids first the blue billion pound bottle jobs. That's tough. And Pochettino, who I think is a good manager, 
Still no trophy in England. And Chelsea, six domestic finals lost in a row, including three to Liverpool, two in the same year a couple of years ago. And it came out in Pochettino's press conference that he played for penalties. Are you kidding me? Now, you could say, hey, our guys are tired. You know, that's a, go win the game. You're playing, like... If you finish top half this season, I think that might surprise some people, which it shouldn't because you have a very talented team, and I think a good manager. I think you just got to get some, given some time, but that never happens right now. But the point being here, you're going up against Dance, McConnell, Clark, Endo can barely move. Samikas came on. Gomez came on. Lucho could barely move. Harvey Elliott could barely move. And you don't go for the win. And again, this is probably the only trophy Chelsea's got a chance. And European qualification is going to be very tough. Even Conference League, they get seventh. It's going to be tough, right? And FA Cup, maybe, who knows? You, you're right. There's, are they still in it? Or did Villa beat them? No, they're still in it. They beat Villa, right. So they're still in the FA Cup. Sure, you can get to another Wembley final, but you just lost one. And it's very it's not easy to get to these finals. Sometimes you gotta be very fortunate with your draw. You gotta be lucky with your draw. But to play for penalties against a bunch of kids, that's crazy to me. That's crazy. That's not brave. That's not trying to win a final. That's trying to get to like a coin flip where you hope you're the lucky team. Instead of going out and trying to win. And listen, it wasn't like Chelsea sat back. Chelsea had a bunch of chances and Kelleher was great. Kelleher was unbelievable And we'll, when we go through the, the the plays of the game. Kelleher was unbelievable. Some gigantic saves. Some point blank saves that were unbelievable. The key was clean sheet. Right? But to not continue to go for it at after Klopp made the substitutions. When he brought McAllister off, you know, when he had to bring Gakpo off, when he had to bring some other of those guys off, what happened? Like, <sighs> Riley came off as well. Chelsea should have went for it. I don't think they did. And to hear Pochettino say we played for penalties, that's got to be really disheartening. To me, that's got to be more, more disheartening than you can believe. So I think it's tough for Chelsea. This was their opportunity. A big spot against a really top-quality side across European football right now in Liverpool. Um, yes, they're not in Champions League. I understand that, but... I'm sure a lot of the teams in the Champions League wouldn't want to see Liverpool in around a 16 or quarter final right now. So um, that's all you got to know about that. Uh, it's tough if, if you're a Chelsea supporter because I think with Cole Palmer and Nkuku and Majweke and Gallagher and Caicedo and Enzo and, you know, even Fafana, I know he's been hurt, but Reece James, I know he's been hurt, but. Chalabala, Badiashi, one of those guys is going to work out. Like, There's talent in that team, and I think if they're given some time to work it out, they can, but 
it just seems like Pochettino is going to be out at the end of the year, if not earlier, considering where they are. Um, he can't really move on from a lot of these players with the contracts that they signed. So I know like most teams rip them up and tear them, but like that's the value that like if you're a player right now on Chelsea, like, oh, we're going to blow it up. We don't like what we did. Like, see ya. <laughs> I don't think a lot of teams are going to be like, okay, sure. But they're not going to pay top dollar for these guys. So I don't know what Chelsea's going to do. I personally, I would try to stick it out. I think Enzo and Caicedo could play together. I think Gallagher could be another option as your eight or your 10, but I think he's like Mason Mount would be really good in that midfield, but Hey, who am I? Um, who am I to say that? What makes him out is healthy, by the way. I understand people can knock Mason out and be like, AJ, how do you like Mason out now? Like, I don't know. I thought he could play. So, for Chelsea, it's tough. Six domestic finals, loss in a row, three to Liverpool, Pochettino, no trophy in England um, from his Tottenham days and now into his Chelsea first season and maybe only season. Who knows? But, again, the point I want to keep hard, played for penalties against kids. That's terrible. Um, and for Liverpool, give them credit. I mean, it's a it's a testament to the club, the people, the the staff, the supporters, the the city, like all of it. Like it's just a testament to what Liverpool is. Like the never say die. The it doesn't matter how much adversity there is, just keep fighting and something could happen for you and like it's belief. Like Bobby Clark and McConnell are nineteen years old. Dan's I'm pretty sure is eighteen. Bradley's 18 or 19. Like, what the hell is going on? Car- Harvey Elliott's not 21 yet. You know, I, I understand he's played a lot of games. He scored a lot of goals, but he's also a young kid still. Um, so, hey, give... Uh, I think it's Chelsea, give them their commiserations because they, they made a great run to a final and had an opportunity in their first season with Poach to win a trophy in this you know, ragtag crew that they threw together, even though it's not ragtag, it's 100 million, 100 million, 100 million, 100 million. I get it. I was just making a joke. Um, but that's tough. And it's not easy to lose finals. And it's not easy to get back to finals. And especially when you're not having the year you want to be having to get to a final and not score a goal against a bunch of 15-year-olds. <laughs> that's bad. That is bad, folks. That is bad. All right, let's recap the match. Chelsea, Liverpool, 1-0 Liverpool after extra time. A Virgil van Dijk, 118th minute winner was the difference. First half action. Palmer in on the Liverpool net, and Kelleher made an unbelievable save with his what left bicep, I believe, stretching out. Uh, sensational save. And then the follow-up for Jackson was blocked out by Endo. And that was Chelsea's first big attack. Gravenberch gets subbed off after Caicedo nearly breaks his foot. Um, no foul, no card, no VAR, no nothing. It's just It doesn't really make a lot of sense when your player has to come off and the other player doesn't get the ball and they call it nothing. That's just very interesting to me. How does foot get almost broken? Um Chelsea then got the ball in the net, but Jackson was offside in the buildup before he played the ball across to Raheem Sterling, whose effort would have made it 1-0 Chelsea, but came back on the offside. And honestly, like it looked offside in real time. The angle that they gave us for the review was crazy. 
that was one of the worst angles I've ever seen. So I can understand Chelsea fans being like, he was on, he was on, because that was a horrendous angle. That was a horrendous angle, the one they gave us. So hopefully they did a better job than that, but that was bad. So Chelsea had the ball in the net, but it was canceled out. Then Liverpool chance, Gakpo's header goes off the post and out of danger. So that was the first half chances. You go to the second half. On the hour mark, a Liverpool corner, Virgil van Dijk header into the back of the net. It gets disallowed on an endo offside slash foul where I understand um, that if you're going to make that call, that's the call fine. I think we're looking for things to get, you know, chalk goals off. I don't think that's the spirit of what VAR is there for. And honestly, like, it was a cheeky play. And... If you watch it back, Colwell's never getting to that ball anyway. Even because Van Dyke has him on the the angle, he has him on the speed and like the way the ball is coming in and the angle. Like there, Colwell had to cover like two three meters in the air. You know, like plenty of yards to cover. Like you're not gonna do that. So I get it. You want to chalk that goal off because Ender was offside and he comes back and. He makes contact with Colwell, who was technically marking Van Dyke. The way that was played, it was set up perfectly that there was no way Colwell was getting to that, even if Endo didn't block him off. So I understand Endo does block him off, but let's look at the common sense of the play. And also, Chilwell tried to hold him. That doesn't get talked about. Fine. You know, so I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it. And for a sport that wants more goals and wants more people talking about goals, like to watch that back and delay it for like two minutes just to be like, yeah, he came from an offside position and though it's a really cheeky thing to do and block that guy off there, he's offside. So no goal. Like, And here's the thing. You'd be like, AJ, if it was the other way, you'd be screaming. Well, here's the thing. At this point, there's been so many calls that have gone against Liverpool. There are calls that you could look at that you've seen clear fouls, not get, you know, not overturn goals, and you've had questionable calls overturn goals. You've had clear fouls and a goal be allowed, and you've had uh, a goal not be allowed with unclear fouls, right? So, like, I don't know. It, it just, it's tough because that's, to me, a very cheeky play where I understand he's in an offside position, but the line drops back, and we've seen those lines drop back where, He's very close to being onside. And I understand he's not because that's just how it is. You're either offside or you're not. Like, that's just what it is. I get that. And that's all he's doing. Like, he's never going for the ball. I understand. <sighs> I just think we shouldn't be looking for, for things to get goals off the board. That's just my take. Okay. All right, moving on. Gallagher hits the post on like a little redirection. With a, it was a brilliant athletic move with his foot to redirect it, but it had Kelleher beat but did not beat the post. Hit it square almost where it met the ground. It was pretty cool, uh, a couple of those angles. Then Gallagher gets played in one-on-one. -on -one, big chance for Kelleher, uh, for Gallagher, and Kelleher makes a save. Uh, close down the space. Big save for Kelleher. Then Palmer, another big chance. Kelleher saves it. Net mouth scramble, half clearance. Then ball comes towards Kelleher. He makes the save. Outstanding again from Kelleher. The net mouth presence. 
uh, with all the scrambling, with all the bodies, with anything that could happen anywhere, uh, a fantastic job of uh, claiming that ball. Then some chances at the other ends. Dan's header touched over the bar by Petrovic. Then ball comes into Harvey Elliott at the back post. He heads it into the ground, off the post and out. Petrovic close to getting it. Dan's almost beats him to the ball, but Petrovic does collect before it goes in. And then Liverpool get a corner. Samikis, ball in. Van Dyke header, chalk that one off. Brilliant header. Mudrik not coming to the ball. There's no one in front of him. So he kind of just figured, okay, I'll just, the ball will come to me. I'll be the first guy. No, you got to go get it, especially when you're the first guy and you have to go get the ball. Like You cannot allow that ball to come in. And Mudrik didn't. I mean, he just, he didn't go get it. He let that ball come in. That's a terrible job. So um, that was the difference in the final. Liverpool hold on. Uh, the celebrations were insane. Nunez, Sobosly hopping the, bo- the the barriers, knocking Curtis Jones out of the way. He's in a boot. Oh, man. Um, absolute scenes. Madness. And Liverpool at least get one trophy for Klopp on the way out. So that's the Carabao Cup. Now the FA Cup to deal with, and the Premier League, of course, in England. All right, Weekend Soccer Recap, speaking of the Prem, Man U Fulham, Fulham went at 2-1. Bossy gave Fulham a 1-0 lead. Maguire, 89th minute equalizer, only for Awobi to win it for Fulham in the 97th minute. So all that, you know, those good results for Man U, rescuing points against bad teams, continuing to win 2-1, not beating teams convincingly, barely scraping by, it caught up with them. And they lose to Fulham at Old Trafford in stoppage time. Like That would have never happened in Fergie time. United would have won that game. They would have got the Maguire goal, and then they would have won the game. Instead, they lose the game. Crystal Palace, Burnley. Crystal Palace won at 3-0. Brownhill got sent off straight red for Vincent Company's Burnley side. Then Chris Richards, his first goal in the Prem, the American. IU a goal, and then Mateta, the penalty. Uh, for the third. Brighton, Everton drew 1-1. Braithwaite got Everton's gold. Gilmore got sent off for Brighton, but then 10-man Brighton, the captain, Lewis Dunk, stoppage time, equalizer to split the points there. Villa and Forrest. Villa went at 4-2. Watkins and a Douglas Luiz brace put Villa up 3-0. Niaquinte and Gibbs White made it 3-2, but a Leon Bailey goal gave Villa the insurance that they needed to secure all three points. Bournemouth, Man City. City went at 1-0 on a Phil Foden goal. Bournemouth had opportunities to level it. City obviously had chances to kill the game off, but were unable to. And um, Bournemouth unable to equalize. So that's how that one finishes 1-0. Arsenal and Newcastle. Arsenal went at 4-1. An own goal got the scoring started. Then Kai Havertz, Saka, Kiwar, and then Joe Willock, the former Arsenal man, brought one back for Newcastle. So that was the result there for Arsenal. One point back, two points back of Liverpool City, one point back, and now they're all even on games as of this moment in the Prem. Wolves and Sheffield United on Sunday. Wolves went at 1-0. Sarafia, the goal for Wolverhampton Wanderers. West Ham, Brentford. West Ham, their first win of the calendar season, 4-2 over Brentford. Bowen with a brace. Then Mape brought one back for Brentford. Bowen got his hat trick. Emerson, a great goal for West Ham to make it 4-1. And then Wissa, another consolation goal for Brentford to make it 4-2. 
La Liga, Barcelona, Getafe, Barcelona win at 4-0. Rafinha, Joao Felix, De Jong, and Lopez, the goal scorers. Almeria and Atletico draw 2-2. Real Madrid, Sevilla, Real needed a Luka Modric golasso to get the three points over Sevilla. And Hirona and Valcano, Hirona win at 3-0 on Monday. Syria, Juve, Frosinone, Juve win 3-2. Vlahovic, a brace, Reggiani, the other goal. Inter beat Lecce 4-0. Latoro Martinez brace for Tessie and DeVrij. The goal scorers, that's big for, for Tessie and DeVrij to be back, so they'll be back for the Champions League match, the return leg, you would think. AC Milan and Atalanta draw 1-1. Rafael Leao, the goal for AC Milan. Kupinars, the penalty for Atalanta. Bundesliga action. Leverkusen, Mainz, Leverkusen win 2-1. They remain unbeaten in Bavaria. Unbelievable. Munich, Rebel Leipzig. Munich win at 2-1. Kane brace. Second was a stoppage time winner. There you go, Harry Kane. Dortmund, Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim win 3-2. League 1, PSG, Ren 1-1. A Gonzalo Ramos 97th minute penalty equalizer split the points between PSG and Ren. All right, midweek soccer. FA Cup, fifth round, the round of 16 equivalent. They just don't call it the round of 16, fine. You got uh, Coventry City, Maidstone United. Coventry City win at 5-0 on Monday. The rest of the matchups. Bournemouth, Leicester City, so a Premier League side versus Championship side there. Blackburn, Newcastle, uh, you got Prem first Prem, Luton and Man City, Chelsea and Leeds. Leeds are flying and Chelsea are low. So we'll see what happens in that one at Stanford Bridge. Forest, Man United, Prem versus Prem, Wolves, Brighton, Prem versus Prem, and then Liverpool welcome in Southampton uh, from the championship after Liverpool winning the Carabao Cup. And Klopp says, I don't know how we're going to have a team, but we'll try to have a team. So there you go. Uh, that's the footy for the show. All right, college basketball. From Thursday, Rutgers got smacked up by Purdue, 96-68. Edie had 20-plus, another outstanding performance from the player of the year, in my opinion. Then he had Wazoo, Arizona. Wazoo, 77-74. A four-point play gave Wazoo the late lead that they held on to an outstanding game in the Pac-12. Give Wazoo credit. That is a gigantic win for them. And that is going to really help their seeding um, because a lot of people are worried about the Pac-12 getting multiple teams in. A lot of people even talking about one team, and it was Arizona for a while. Well, now it's at least two with Wazoo after that's a great win in Arizona, the four-point play. So dramatic. Then you had Houston Baylor on Saturday. Houston wins in an overtime, 82-76. Baylor, a very good second half to make that a game. Houston had come out and was uh, – stifling defense, of course, and uh, a very, very exciting game that Houston wins on the road. Then you had Duke-Wake. Wake wins at 83-79, and the story out of this game, yes, it's an outstanding win for Wake, and it helps their NCAA tournament, of course, but Filipowski gets injured for Duke in the court storm, and um, I'll just say this off the top. If we can have safe court storming where teams and, you know, the visiting team and the referees are out of there before the people get on the floor. I'm 100% for it. If we can wait till the buzzer sounds and we get handshakes and then, then they can come. Like if we can wait, you know, 30 to 45 seconds, what do we need? 45 to a minute 30. We can still get everything that you want, right? So I, I saw a couple people... Like Joy Taylor and some people, Seth, they like 
you don't see court storming in the NBA. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Are there a thousand students? Are there a thousand employees or coworkers of the players there on top of the court every night? I don't think so. Like, what is that argument? Oh, my God. Some people just don't know how to argue. It's crazy. Or debate or have conversations. Here's where you got to be. If you want to outlaw it altogether, I can't disagree with you. After the Caitlin Clark thing, after what happened to Filipowski, I, I get it. I, I, I will, like, John Shire being like, we got to ban it. I get it. I get where he's coming from. What if he loses one of his best players for a multitude of games down the stretch of the season? Because some clown student ran into him, right? I, I would be fuming. I get it. So let's try to marry it together. Can we have court storming safely done? Because, you know, to Jay Billis's argument of, well, we weren't supposed to show it for the longest time. We didn't show it. And it wasn't supposed to be shown. And now that kind of went away because it's a great moment for marketing and the school and all that stuff. Yeah, no duh, dude. The students on the floor with the logo and the team. Like, no duh, dude. What do you think they're doing it for? So I I get it from John Shire's argument of we got to ban it all together. I'm from the school of can we do it safely? I'm not from the school of nothing's wrong. Right? There's a lot of people like, nothing's wrong with court storming. So what? Kalen Clark got ran over and Filipowski. That's, it ha- it's a minority of the time with these injuries. Fine. If that's your take, that's your take. I, I can't argue yet that off you because I still want it in the game. Here's what we need. Line it up with security. You get a countdown even. I don't know. You got to do something different. Because let's not get players injured. And let's get coaches, players, referees off the floor. If the home team wants to stay, obviously they can stay. They're the kids too, right? But let's let's put in some more safety measures. Because I don't want to lose what makes college basketball college basketball. Like, Joyce, what was, Joy Taylor's argument was, what, you've never won anything before, so you have to storm the court? Joy Taylor, what are you talking about, dude? What is your argument? Like, when's the last time they beat Duke? I don't know off the top of my head. When's the last time they beat a top 10 team? I don't know off the top of my head. But that's what they're doing. Maybe they haven't done that. Maybe there's an entire senior class that's never had a home upset over a ranked team. So I don't know. I just... We got this article from William Wenbaum. He says, 11 conferences, A-10, Big East, Big South, Big 10, Big 12, Conference USA, the... MIAC, Pac-12, WAC, SEC, West Coast, told ESPN that homeschool, that the homeschool for a court storm could be subject to fine. SEC has rules. Where are we here? SEC. They put in a structure for fines in 2004. It was 5K for the first offense, 25, and then 50. Now it's increased. It was increased in uh, 2015 to 50, 100, 250. Now it's increased to 100K, 250, and 500,000. One, two, three. And that's if the people aren't off the floor. Big 10. Discretionary fine can result on a third offense for failure to provide adequate security for visiting teams from their arrival for the game through their departure. So that's just a very interesting phrasing there. 
Big 12 fines are implemented when the safety of the game participants is compromised. Like the Big 10, the Big 12 did not provide information on amount of fines. Pac-12 fines are 10K first, 25K second, 50K third, 100K fourth. I mean, listen, if you rush the court four times in a season, what the hell are we talking about? Big East, fines in effect since 2017, 5K for first offense, up to 25K for a second. No greater fine of 5K has been levied to date. Creighton was the most recent example. All right, so here's the thing. And I think I think a lot of people are going to be uh, seeing this from a similar position I am because I love college basketball. I think what makes college basketball college basketball is the environments, is the students, is uh, that that question, that aura, that intensity, that that quietness in a building before the band starts or before the teams come out or in between songs or hey we might be in a we might be a, tight, a top 10 team tonight we could be in a top 10 team tonight we could be here for that yo my friend jimmy is a shooting guard from from accounting he could be he could have 20 tonight you know like that's what it's about so i don't know i i think we can find a middle ground of safely court storming because i don't think we need to get rid of it Let's just do it safer. Let's let's do it safely. Let's get everybody off the court and then storm it. And then have your moment. Because I think Shy was like, the horn didn't even go off and everybody was on the court. Like, he's right. That's crazy. That's unsafe. So do the handshakes. Play a video or something. Give them a minute. Get everybody out of there. And go. There you go. There's your solution. Enjoy Taylor. Like, just say you don't watch college basketball. Just say you don't watch it. It's fine. Like, no, I don't watch the NBA a ton. It's okay to just say you don't watch these things. It's not a big deal. What is it? Your first time winning anything anywhere? What are you talking about, yo? What is your point? That's part of the try-hard thing that I, like, talk about a lot. You're not supposed to try hard anymore because if you lose, then you're a try hard and a loser. What? What's wrong with these kids? That's crazy. All right, more college basketball here. Kansas State knocks off BYU at 10 at home. That's a big one for Kansas State. They needed that one. Illinois handles Iowa at home, 95-85. That's a heavy A score. TCU blows out Cincinnati. South Carolina blows out Ole Miss on the road. UNC went to Charlottesville, a place they had not won. And they won a Virginia Pace game. Give them credit. That's a good win for UNC. Bama, Kentucky. Kentucky blowout. Kentucky shot the ball so well. Played good enough defense to frustrate Alabama because Alabama did, just didn't make their shots. Because uh, that game could have actually been like 117-112 if Alabama makes their shots, but it wasn't, right? But Kentucky, I was impressive. So we've seen them put up a billion points. We've seen them have a defensive effort the last two weeks now. See if they can marry those. Let's see. Uh, you had Texas, Kansas. Kansas turned that one into a blowout as well. UConn blows out Nova. Cam Spencer had an unbelievable game. He was just knocking down shot after shot after shot. He's just an outstanding player addition for that UConn team. Tennessee blows out A&M. And here's where the Tennessee schedule is going to get interesting because they got some big games coming up in that league. 
Sunday, Ohio State, Michigan State. I can't shake this Ohio State team. I don't think they're that good, and I still don't think they're that good. And Michigan State let them hang around for so long in that second half when they should have put them away for four, three or four times. They should have just gone up 14 and put it away. They did not. They let Ohio State hang around. They hung around. They hung around. They made a shot at the buzzer to win the game. And that's a Michigan State team that I don't think I will ever understand. We'll look back at this and say that 03-04 Michigan State team, they had the talent, they have the coach. I have no idea what they do in the last five minutes of games. No clue. Between missing free throws, not playing good defense, turning the ball over, I I don't understand what happens after the under-four timeout in the second half. I really don't know what happened. Because like, I love Izzo. Everybody knows I love Izzo. I got no ill will towards Michigan State. I, I actually do root for them in a lot of senses because I like Izzo so much. I don't know what the hell they're doing. You get some Michigan State fan has to go out there and get a uh, put together a compilation in the last five minutes of these games. What the hell are they doing in some of these games? I have no clue, none. So that's a bad loss for Michigan State. Minnesota, Nebraska, Nebraska blows out Minnesota. <laughs> a lot of blowouts, a lot of blowouts. All right, some games early this week. Mississippi State welcomes in Kentucky. Mississippi State could pick off Kentucky here because Kentucky's riding a high, and they go to Stark Vegas, and if they play a good game, yeah, they should beat Mississippi State, but Mississippi State is not a bad basketball team. They got some players, though. They have some players, for sure. Uh, BYU-Kansas is an interesting game. BYU going to Fog Allen. I wonder how they're going to be able to handle that because their building is great, too, but it's not as historic as Kansas, and Kansas at home is outstanding. Texas, Texas Tech. Texas needs to win a game on the road in this league because I, they're extremely talented. I think Terry's not a bad coach, but they're getting to a point where they got to win some games because they're getting in trouble. You got Auburn, Tennessee, one of the games in Tennessee I was talking about. Here's an opportunity for Auburn. Go win a game on the road for Bruce Pearl, a place that he got fired from. He's gonna. You think they're going to be fired up for that game? Oh, my God. That's going to be an awesome game. Providence Marquette in the Big East. You got Bama Ole Miss back in the SEC, and then Seton Hall Creighton in the Big East as well. Creighton lost to St. John's, so St. John's somehow isn't dead after Patino called them out. They responded. Big win over Creighton, and uh, now Creighton hosts Seton Hall out in Omaha. You got Bama coming off that horrific performance against Kentucky. They go to Ole Miss in a game that's probably going to be a shootout. So some big games early this week as well. All right, golf. Rookie Jake Knapp wins the Mexico Championship, his fifth start. He's the first player on record to hit two or fewer fairways in a final round of a tour event and still go on to win said tour event. He blew a four-shot lead over seven holes but held on to win by two. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, pretty dramatic, I think his wife said on the, 18, on the 72nd green. On the back there, they had the camera on her. Um, what, I mean, that's crazy to only hit two fairways on a Sunday and a PGA or PGA tour event when you're leading and to blow it almost and to have the short game to just keep making putts to stay alive. That's crazy. Give that guy credit. Jake Knapp gets himself into the players, gets himself into the masters and has an opportunity to get a second win. Because he's going to be in a lot of these tournaments that other people who don't win and don't have good seasons are going to be in. And listen, the Mexico Championship, guys, like I get Tony Finau's going to keep going there. Good for him. That's an opportunity every year for some guy to get their first win. 
or some guy that needs another win that hasn't won in a while to get a win because that feels going to be light because it's going to be between, you know, the schedule right now. There's been some signature events already. There's been some big events already. And we're, you know, April isn't far away. Let's just say that for that tournament down in Augusta, Georgia. Okay. All right. And then you got the Cognizant Classic next, formerly the Honda Classic at, uh, a great course down there. Was that PGA National, if I'm not mistaken? So, um, yeah. Golf World's interesting. I'm not going to comment on the John Ron Live interview with Marty Smith. I think Marty Smith's a sellout for even getting that interview. I understand he's a he's got to do his thing, but I, I would never – I was like, nah, I don't want to do it. So, that's just my take about it. But, listen, uh, golf, certainly heating up. I had to do a soccer segment at the top because I didn't want to just make up a basketball segment and, and just, you know – Read the results there. Um, but, yeah, so maybe another soccer thing Thursday if we look at the prem and the scheduling but uh, and, and the run-in for Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester City. Maybe we'll do that Thursday, but if not, maybe something else with college basketball. But I have college basketball on the uh, horizon for around conference tournament time with those big couple segments. So I'm working on the teams that can win the tournament. That's the big, big, big next college basketball segment, I would say, on the show. All right, so – that is the program for Tuesday. Everybody have a good week. I will talk to you Thursday with the FA Cup results. And a look ahead to more college basketball and a weekend soccer. Sleep. All right. Everybody have a good week. Talk to you then. Peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.